0: Almost all the big players are actors and they're playing a part. And it's kind of like professional wrestling, you know, world wrestling federation or W E F or whatever it's called. I guess, I'm sorry. W (laughs) F is the world economic forum, but they're actors too. The point is in the, in the fake wrestling, you know how they have, they have one character that's a bad guy. And then they have another character. That's a good guy. And the role of the bad guy is to whip up the audience into as much anger and fervor as possible. And the role of the good guy is to have empathy with the audience. So the audience can feel like they are winning if he is winning. And then what happens in the wrestling world is that the good guy is uh, punished and beat up by the bad guy and the good guy is bashed, you know, bashed in the face and dropped to his knees, and the crowd gets angry, and the crowd is so riled up that the crowd can even, you know, revolt. All right, so that scenario is exactly what is happening politically right now. And in this theater that you are watching, Trump is playing the role of the good guy. Now, you could argue that, okay, but Trump is a good guy, or you could you could argue he's a bad guy playing a good guy, or he's just a business guy playing a good guy, or he's just a business guy who's being persecuted. doesn't matter what your interpretation is. He is assuming the role of the good guy in this kind of wrestling metaphor. And the bad guys are persecuting Trump in order to whip up the crowd, to whip up the audience and who are the bad guys of course the fbi the biden regime the doj uh, you know all the, all the um, the typical democrats they are they are playing the role of the bad guys and the the purpose of this is to whip up conservatives into an armed revolt before election day and i was told this weekend by let's just say a reliable source that one hundred percent chance Trump is going to be indicted. Trump will be indicted. There will be evidence planted. There's also the possibility that there was other evidence already planted at Mar-a-Lago because there was this other infiltration woman who turns out to be a deep state agent, and she may have placed um, evidence there to be seized by the FBI. So whether the FBI needs to plant evidence, you know, after the fact or they, they got something that was planted there by somebody else. They've already got something to indict Trump, and they're going to indict Trump. This is going to happen. And Lindsey Graham came out over the weekend, and he said, quote, there will be riots in the streets if Trump is indicted. And he, he said that just, I think it was on Fox News. There will be riots in the streets if Trump is indicted. Yes. Why is Lindsey Graham saying that? Number one, Lindsey Graham is an actor. I mean, he's one of the characters of this. I mean, yes, he's a senator, but Lindsey Graham is a globalist. Let's be honest about that. Lindsey Graham is not, He's he doesn't represent we the people in any way whatsoever. Lindsey Graham is playing a role and he's already telling you there's going to be riots in the streets if Trump is indicted. Trump is going to be indicted.
1: All the world's a stage, and we are all merely players. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am your host, Andrew for America, and today I'm going to present to you on Strategy and Reality Part 3. Recently, I posted some questionable photos and information uh, compiled by somebody named Tiger underscore Muse on Instagram. Got a little pushback uh, from it. These photos show Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk And conservative female commentator Candace Owens, uh, showing some flashing, I guess, some questionable conspiratorial hand signs that AOK 666 sign, allegedly, the touching your fingertips together in the pyramid or the diamond, I guess, rather, hand sign. They're both uh, in a in a photo making that hand gesture, and they both have uh Israeli uh flags, the Isra- the flag of Israel, uh, with the Star of David on it on their lapels, pinned on their lapels. I mean, it's reaching. Obviously, some of the criticism I got, somebody said, "Hey man, you're reaching with this stuff." Like, "Oh my gosh, it's the Jews," and I'm like, "No man, this isn't anti-Semitic. Like, I'm just making the I'm, I'm making the suggestion." That, look, this stuff is out there. And it may be absolutely nothing. It may be something. Who knows? But I'm just bringing attention to it because that's what I do here on my show. When I see questionable shit go down in the world. I don't have an agenda. I've said it a million times. I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm not trying to tell you what to believe I'm presenting my own opinions on my own research in hopes that you, the listener, can take something away from it. Maybe you're entertained. Maybe you learned a little something you didn't know. Maybe you heard me run some crazy idea by you and you're just like, whoa, dude, that's too much for me. Like, I'm not ready to listen to that yet. I know. Like, I'm, I push buttons. I like to provoke thought. That's one of the main points of my show, people. That's why my listeners continue to come back week after week to listen to me bring up all this crazy stuff. I feel like I'm trying to do something good for society. And so if you guys want to come attack me for suggesting ideas and shining light on certain things, like all you're doing is reflecting the fact that I'm probably making a dent and you don't like it. Because you're not ready to face it, you're not ready to embrace it. So, you know, that's how it starts, people. <laughs> that's how I light the fire within you. That's how I break through that cognitive dissonance. I present you with information. You, the listener, it's your job to accept or reject that information. I know a lot of you reject a lot of the information that I present to you here on the show. I know a lot of you accept it reluctantly, and that's the point. You're supposed to be discerning, skeptical. You're supposed to seek the truth for yourself. And I'm done preaching about that. I know I've been preaching about that shit for a long time, past few shows. I'm going to get back to being impartial and outsider observing and reporting, Okay. I know this Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens stuff is far-fetched. There's a there's a picture of her of her under, um, exploretalent.com. She's listed as an actor or as a model. And I look, I did a little research on Charlie Kirk. I mean, he has pretty successful parents. He's been a political guy his entire life. Who knows if the big club got to him and he is in fact controlled opposition? I don't know. I'm just trying to look stuff up and and see what's out there. When I see people suggest certain things, I'm interested. Let's talk about controlled opposition really quick. So I've uh, read a Caitlin Johnstone piece to you on this podcast before. uh, Specifically her piece on being sufficiently aware. And... I really like some of her writing. So this is her piece uh, that was in Europe Reloaded.com. And the title is, How Do You Tell If Someone Is Controlled Opposition? So here we go. Caitlin Johnstone's advice to go with the message to elevate the idea that someone is putting out irrespective of whether you know their true intentions is very sound as is her advice not to hero-worship anyone, which is a classic human fallback position when we like what someone is telling us. That can get us into all sorts of personal trouble by rendering us blind and unthinking. It's also great advice for running an independent news website and feeling torn when you like the idea that someone is writing about, but you don't like their overall political position. Are they or is their website too progressive left? Is it too alt-right? Is it too much, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera? If the ideas make sense based on what you know to be true to date, then fine, go ahead and publish. Disseminate a good idea and educate yourself along the way. Every day in my article, comments, and social media, I get people warning me that this or that journalist, activist, or politician is, quote, Controlled opposition, unquote. Meaning someone who pretends to oppose the establishment while covertly serving it. And people, this is why I was curious about Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk. Because they claim to support... I'm sorry, they claim to oppose the establishment. And they speak out about... Certain conspiracy theories and certain, you know, things, I, I, I suppose, with regard to January 6th and all the things that they've said on college campuses, some people think are questionable. The woke left has tried to shut them down before. They are very provocative. And they may very well be actors, people. I mean, I don't know. Let's explore these ideas, some more, and you good, fine people, you smart, intelligent truth seekers that exercise intellectual curiosity and intellectual honesty, it's up to you. You decide if you believe this shit or not, okay? Okay. These warnings usually come after I've shared or written about something a dissident figure has said or done and are usually accompanied by an admonishment not to ever do so again, lest I spread their malign influence. If you've been involved in any kind of anti-establishment activism for any length of time, you've probably encountered this yourself. And then she goes on to talk about paranoia pervades dissident circles of all sorts, including Occupy, uh, the Occupy movement, Black Lives Matter, Um, various protests. And then she brings up this article by Truthout documents multiple instances in which movements like the 1968 Chicago DNC protest and Peter Camejo's 1976 anti-establishment presidential campaign were so heavily infiltrated by opaque government agencies that, quote, One out of every six people involved in them were secretly working for the feds, unquote. This trend of infiltration is known to have continued into the current day with movements like Occupy and Black Lives Matter, etc. And we'd be ignorant not to assume that this has been at least as rampant in online circles where people organize and disseminate ideas and information. So it's understandable that people are extremely vigilant about prominent figures in dissident circles, and it's understandable that people feel paranoid. Over and over again, we see shining anti-establishment movements fizzle or rendered impotent, often seemingly with the help of people we once trusted. And it's hard not to get frustrated and become suspicious of anyone who starts shining bright on anti-war, leftist, or other dissident circles. Interesting stuff. And then she goes on, the trouble with this paranoia and suspicion is that it doesn't seem to function with any kind of intelligence. I have received such controlled opposition warnings about pretty much every prominent dissident figure in the English-speaking world at one time or another. And if I believe them all, there would be no one in the world whose words I could share or write about, including my own. I myself have been accused of different times of being a plant for the CIA, the Russians, Assad, the Chinese Communist Party, the Iranian mullahs, the alt-right, Trump, Pyongyang, the Palestinians, etc., which of, if all true, would make me a very busy girl indeed. Since I know I'm not a plant for anybody, I know for myself that such accusations don't come from a place of insight with any degree of reliability, and I've therefore had to find my own way to navigate this confusing landscape. So since I know that infiltration and manipulation happens, so since I know that infiltration and manipulation happens, but I don't find other people's whisperings about controlled opposition useful, then how do I figure out who's trustworthy and who isn't? My answer? I don't. And here's her banger. I, I spend no mental energy whatsoever concerning myself with who may or may not be a secret pro-establishment influencer, and for good reason. There's no Way to know for sure if an individual is secretly scheming to sheepdog the populace into support for the status quo and as long as government agencies remain opaque and, here's the word, unaccountable, there will never be a way to know who might be secretly working for them or not and I'm not going to continue reading this to you but her arguments uh, that she runs by you she gets into talking about the truth learn how to call bullshit what it is and use the truth for what it is I mean her articles are fantastic I'm a huge fan of Caitlin Johnstone's writing and I will put a link to this article in the show notes on Controlled opposition. So, people, what have we been over so far? Today, I'm trying to make the case that maybe Trump is the savior of our great nation, or maybe he's in the big club, and maybe he's controlled opposition. Same with Charlie Kirk. Same with Candace Owens. Maybe that was Potato Head in Cuomo's gig. Maybe Don Lemon is controlled op. Who knows? Who knows? It's just very interesting. As a public figure, when you allow yourself to be photographed making what is commonly known to be Illuminati, Freemasonic, or in the realm of conspiratorial circles. You are publicly showing your allegiances in a lot of people's eyes when you allow yourself to be photographed wearing certain apparel items, making certain hand gestures, finding out that you are connected to certain people that are connected to other certain people, that are connected to very big club people. I don't know for sure. I'm not here to say one way or the other. I'm not here to take a side. I'm here today, my fellow Americans, to try to educate you that, A, a lot of public governmental figures are actors. Like it or not, that is a fact that is the truth. Actors oftentimes find themselves in the mainstream media, in the government, as government political staffers, as aspiring to be in the game of movers and shakers here in the United States. A lot of them are actors, people. All the world's a stage, and we are all... All merely players, right? I know you've heard it a million times. Oh Man, I'm going to take a break. When I get back, I'm going to talk a little bit about Trump some more. You know, I mean, think about it, people. Another thing that I was thinking about with the Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens thing is, A, they're both big fans of Trump. Help the campaign. Friends with Kushner. Kushner's good buddies with Netanyahu. I got. I posted other photos of Netanyahu and Trump making that AOK alleged six 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 hand sig- symbol. I don't know why. Why are they doing it? Are they doing it just to stir us up and to give you know quote unquote conspiracy theorists theorists some fodder to talk about? I don't know. It's just a crazy world we're living in, people. There is so much information out there for you to seek out. And discover, you know, all I know is that I don't know. All I know is that I don't know nothing. The more I learn, the more I realize I (laughs) have yet to learn. (laughs) You can never stop learning, people. There's too much. There's too much to know. Seeking the truth is a sickness, it's a blessing and a curse. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back. So I found an article in Cosmopolitan. At Cosmopolitan.com. When I was looking for connections between Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein, everything you need to know about their friendship. The U.S. president was pictured on numerous occasions with a later convicted sex offender. If you've watched Netflix's new Jeffrey Epstein documentary, Filthy Rich, you'll likely have been shocked to learn about the extent of financier Epstein's sexual abuse of young women, Epstein's pyramid scheme of sexual assault. Four-part series, right? Epstein and Trump are pictured together numerous times throughout the documentary. I'm sure that wasn't intentional. (laughs) If this was a Netflix show. And after once publicly describing the financier as a terrific guy. The now-president or then-president swiftly changed tack once Epstein's crimes became publicly known. They allegedly had some falling out. Trump said, was quoted at one time as saying, I've known Jeffrey for 15 years, and there's various footage of the two of them partying, uh, specifically in 1992 at Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Confirms it was a friendship that spanned decades, people. I mean, come on, you guys. You still believe Trump is the savior? You still think he isn't on the t- the big club? He isn't in the big club, I mean. Buddies with Ep- Ep- Epstein. Buddies with Klaus Schwab. Connected to Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, Richard Nixon. <sighs> How can, I I don't understand how people cannot see the possibilities at least. And I know it sucks because a lot of you are like, well, oh, who do I vote for? If I can't vote for Biden, and I can't vote for Trump. That's the point. They're both big club. It's the two establishment parties. People, what have I been talking about since episode one? You know what I mean? This just further confirms all of my bullshit. You can't vote for Republicans or Democrats anymore and expect a change in the status quo, my fellow Americans. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. What you allow is what will continue. Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, And expecting a different result. Apparently, uh, Epstein was responsible for introducing Trump to Melania. Which doesn't match up with Trump's account of how they met. However, at a Vanity Fair profile on the First Lady in 2017, Melania is fond of telling the story of how Donald approached her at a party during Fashion Week 1998 in New York. While his own date went to the bathroom, he reportedly asked her for her number, to which she asked him for his instead. While the accounts of Melania and Donald Trump's introduction differ, as the politician attempted to distance himself from a disgraced Epstein during his presidential campaigning, Trump wasn't always so shy about his friendship with the wealthy financier. Apparently, uh, Trump said that they had a falling out. He hasn't spoken to him in 15 years. I guess he said that in July of 2019. And this is all in the article, uh, cosmopolitan.com. Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump, everything you need to know about their friendship. So, found that. And there's a bunch of articles online that you can go take a look at, people. Apparently, uh, uh, Bill Barr is connected to Jeffrey Epstein through uh, legal connections. Um, I don't know, people. It looks like there's some evidence out there that these guys are all buddies and hanging out. Apparently, uh, Alexander Acosta, who uh, Trump handpicked to be his labor secretary, Acosta formerly worked as a federal prosecutor in Miami, where he signed a 2008 secret plea deal that allowed Epstein to avoid federal prosecution and serve limited jail time. See, they're all buddies. They all are in each other's pockets, people. They can get you out of trouble with the law if they need to. I don't know. You be the you be the judge, people. You think Trump's in the big club, or do you think he's a well-intended guy who just wants what's best for everybody? Apparently, one of our four one of the four women who said that they were groomed by for sex uh, groomed for sex by Gillen Maxwell testified Wednesday that the disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein took her to meet Donald Trump when she was just 14 years old. So this is from a MSNBC news article. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein introduced me to Trump at 14. Uh Jillian Maxwell accuser says, so there's articles out there that claim that, you know, young girls were being introduced to Trump back when he had a relationship and a friendship with Maxwell and Epstein people. <laughs> if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, chances are, I'm just saying, people. I don't know. This could all be conjecture and conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat wearing bullshit. I don't know. But what I do know is that if you're a Republican or a Democrat circling in. The echelons, upper echelons of government for an extended period of time, you're probably influenced or already bought and paid for in the pocket of the big club. <laughs> I rest my case. I'm done talking about this stuff. I, this is part three. I'm just trying to show you some of the strategies, people. Sam Winchester just came out with episode 130 of the According to Sam podcast where he talks about indict Trump. Indict him. Then you have to let him have his day in court. You have to give him all the information. You have to prove that you had justification to go into Mar-a-Lago. Sam makes the case that he gets all the discovery. They get to open the, uh, the warrant and the affidavits and all the yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Call their bluff, Trump. That's Sam's argument. Call their bluff. And let's see who's honest and who's completely full of shit. (laughs) Right? Okay, uh, I got another crazy story that might be complete bullshit. But uh, it is in the same vein of the subject matter of today. Uh, I also saw a video recently circulating about Tucker Carlson and his possible affiliation with or practice of the Kabbalah. I don't know for sure, but this little video clip makes that claim. Take a listen to
2: this. Kabbalah is a compilation of written works that explain the ancient secretive beliefs of Jewish mysticism, the name coming from the Hebrew word meaning to receive. Traditional Kabbalists have gone on to become some of Judaism's greatest sages. Its contents have been debated. Recent years, Kabbalah went mainstream. Jews and non-Jews, including some A-list celebrities, swear by it. Roseanne Barr, as well as Mick Jagger, Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore, Ariana Grande, and Madonna all dabbled in Kabbalah study. Celebrities across Hollywood were spotted wearing the popular Red String Amulet. Okay, so the
1: Red String Amulet. There's a bunch of pictures in this video that show all these various celebrities that are wearing it. And then it cuts to this clip of Tucker Carlson interviewing some guy on his show. And on his left wrist, you can see the red string amulet. Pretty prominently. And I don't know if he intended it to be seen or if it was just a, you know, maybe he wasn't hiding it. Maybe he didn't think anyone would think anything of it. And maybe it's something else completely unrelated to being into the Kabbalah. I'm just saying. All these actors and celebrities are allegedly into the Kabbalah wearing this little red string that Tucker Carlson also just so happens to be wearing. I don't know. I don't know, people. The stuff is out there. Who knows, right? Will we ever really know? No, we won't. But I think it's fun to talk about. (laughs) I'm not making it up. People saw it live on TV. He was clearly wearing it. Now, maybe it was something else. Maybe it wasn't a red string amulet that followers of the Kabbalah wear. Maybe it was just coincidence, right? I don't know, people. And then here's another thing I wanted to bring up, too. Trump apparently said that he had never been to Epstein Island uh, ever, and yet I think it was either Epstein's brother or someone close to the gang said that he was lying, and he's he's been out there many times. So I don't know, people. But I got to be done talking about this. This is episode, I'm sorry, this is part three. Of on strategy and reality. And I just wanted to show you guys a little bit of the strategies that some of these people, these groups of people, these clubs are using against you. Here's a little bit more. Um, I saw this on a Reddit uh, stream, thread, whatever. Uh, Trump is loyal to his lobbyists. The people who bribe him. He also gave billions to the Gates Rockefeller Gavi vaccine organization and called Gates a great guy and offered him a job as science, as a science advisor. Trump got absolutely destroyed by callers today on InfoWars. You had your chance, Trump. You failed. Okay, so that's what some people are saying online. Uh, and then... Someone is alleging in this other article that Robert Kennedy Jr. blows whistle on Pfizer, donating a million dollars to Trump's inaugural campaign. People. Pfizer donated to his campaign. People are claiming that he is loyal to his lobbyists, which means he's loyal to the big club, basically, Anybody who's giving him money. And he also gave billions to the Gates, Rockefeller, Gavi vaccine, people are saying. So, <laughs> people, I don't know. You be the judge. Okay. You be the judge. Like I've said a million times before, I'm not trying to tell you what to think or feel or believe. That's up to you. I just hope that this stuff is thought-provoking and interesting and fascinating, and I hope I'm presenting it to you in a way that is entertaining you, because at the end of the day, that's what I want to do, is I want to entertain and enlighten my fans and listeners. I love you guys. Let's turn up the optimism and the fun Let's move on and let's play some punk rock. All right, people, it's time to play some. Hunk rock. Man, I feel like this episode's boomy on my vocals. I feel like there's a little bit of an echo. I don't have an echo effect on, but there's something with my sound that's a little boomy, so I apologize for that, people. I'll fix that. that. That, 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 for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, this band hails from Flagstaff, Arizona. They describe themselves as an emotional swift kick to the throat that leaves you wanting more. This song was recently released by the band Vacant Skies and they are awesome and here's their brand new song the wake-up call ladies and gentlemen making their debut on the politics and punk rock podcast here's vacant skies with their song the wake-up call
2: I know that you take a Take it from me I should have lost my heart for me Fuckin' me Knock up too deep within you Where mind. i I lost myself that night I never said goodbye
1: people that song is awesome that was the wake-up call by the band vacant skies and i'm gonna play you one more song by the band right now here's vacant skies once again with their song bleeding out of me
2: let me ask you something sean what the fuck did you become a punk for It was a moment in time, I gave you to jump the line At a dance, race the brave, like a I'd better do it time Though it never crossed my mind, it's true that have turned away Now I have the time Tell me why you're still breathing You're mine
1: people that's the show for today i'll put the link to vacant skies uh bandcamp page in the show notes go to the website politics and punkrockpodcast.com buy a t-shirt donate to the show read the show notes if you have a question comment concern thought feeling idea Send me an email, andrewforamerica1984 at gmail.com. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 109 of the Politics of Punk Rock Podcast entitled... Strategy and Reality Part 3 We'll see you next time